Welcome to Crossroads and Cauldrons. We are two witches with jobs, families, and busy lives just like you. We talk about weaving the web of community, practicing magic, and life in the Deep South. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Selena, and we don't have Aoife tonight, but we have a wonderful guest that I have been very excited about having on the show for quite a while. So I will, without further ado, I will welcome Byron Ballard to our show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. And so if you don't know Byron, A, why? Two, uh, Byron is, uh, she is the village witch of Asheville and she is a scholar, a ritualist, teacher, speaker, uh, writer, now a podcaster as well, and uh, basically an all-around wise woman. And she has several books out, and I will read them for you. Um, the first, first, this was your first book out, right? Because you wrote for a long time on um, blogs and for magazines and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the first book was Stobbs and Dishwater. Dish, yeah, Dishwater. That was the very first one in 2012. Wow, wow. So Stobbs and Ditchwater, a friendly and useful introduction to Hill Folks Hoodoo, which I love that, by the way. <laughs> um, Earthworks, Ceremonies in Tower Time. Aspidity and Madstones, which is uh, a further ramble through Hill Folks Hoodoo. Embracing Willendorf, a witch's way of loving your body to health and fitness. And most recently, and this is the one I just finished last week, uh, Roots, Branches, and Spirits, the Folkways and Witchery of Appalachia. Wow, you did that so well. And you said asphidity right. Asphidity is something tricky. Well, it is a tricky word. And there's so many different ways of pronouncing things I have discovered, even across, you know, the South. Even, even you know, this, this is one thing. This is completely off topic and not on my list, but here we go. <laughs> one thing that uh, that truly irritates me about, um, I guess, movies. and Because te- I'm I uh, my background is in theater. So oh, no, mine whenever too. we do, mine too. Oh boy, we're gonna go off off the rails, oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but we we would do uh, shows, and we would hire actors from, well, from off from they would come in from New York <laughs> and wherever you know, and they would come down, and we would of course do a Time to Kill or Steel Magnolias or something like that, and they would all put on this very <laughs> 1950s Georgia accent. No matter where the show is at. Or Charleston. And they all sound a little bit like this because my, my, it's so warm down here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. There There was a thing on PBS and it was set during the Civil War. And it was set in Alexandria, Virginia. And they had English actors and probably actors from New York and wherever else. And I just kept thinking, damn it, all you have to do is go into a restaurant in Alexandria, Virginia, and hear how these people talk because they don't all talk like this. It's not high-class Atlanta, sophisticated people. It's different. And and everywhere is different. You know, North Mississippi is different from South Mississippi. and Louisiana is different from everything. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) But anyway, well, thank you. I'm glad I pronounced everything correctly. Um, but yeah, so I want to tell everybody how I how I met you because I've I've mentioned you a few times on the show um, that I wanted to to pluck up my courage and get you out here, and I have. 
I feel I feel courageous now. <laughs> you are. Um, so you the are. first time, the first time I met you was at uh, Mystic South. I believe it was 20, 2018 or nineteen, one of those. And um, and I saw you speak again last year at the Pagan Unity Festival, and I was absolutely enchanted. Is is really the only word that that works? Mm. But I was enchanted by your presentations, and um, here's why. So I'm I'm a Mississippi girl, as you can tell, <laughs> and uh, my folks, well, three sides of my folks, are from Scotland, and they came in to North Carolina and stayed there for a long time, and then eventually migrated down to Mississippi and stayed here for a very long time. So when I hear you speak, and this is especially, I think, unique at pagan festivals and conferences, to me anyway, but when I hear you speaking, something about it moves, you know? I feel something that's kind of stirring, um, hmm. that that's almost primal, you know? Um, and I'm really drawn to that particular feeling. So. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, she she hears this all the time. And then I'm also thinking, my gosh, that, that's kind of beautiful, you know, that you can conjure up something that that's just in the blood, you know, that, that people may not recognize because they might not have been raised in those places socially, yeah, you know, or they're they're they don't carry because I don't have a lot of stories from my my family. Hmm. And that's what I really loved about this most recent book. I, I have stories, but the the. I guess the witchiest stories is my mammy read coffee, coffee grounds. Uh -huh. And that was it. And my dad is psychic. You know, they're all psychic, of course. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but that's about it. And, and otherwise, you know, I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I have more than I, I thought I did. But anyway, so, <laughs> so my question. Thanks, do I, thanks for the primal part. I think more people think of me as feral than primal. Oh, well, I'll, I'll take primal too. <laughs> Same, same thing, really. Same thing. Um, so I, I want to know, how is that for you um, when you're traveling around and, um, you know, wandering the world and visiting with people who are, you know, from off? And, and how does that, how, how do they respond to hill folks who do, you know, how do they respond to you? I, love, I think I might know. I, lo I love the way you say from off. Uh, up here, we refer to those people as outlanders. And so there's that wonderful series of books that Diana Gabaldon does. And then this TV show called Outlander. And the first time I started hearing that, it's like the hair on the back of my neck grows up. And it was like, why would you want to do a TV show about outlanders? What the hell is that all about? But I read the books because I'm a big reader. So it's fine. It's fine. Um, here's the thing. I live in a region of the country, and you live in a similar region of the country, that the rest of the country culturally tends to look down on. So people have expectations of who I'm going to be when I show up. And it's better now because I have a little bit of a reputation, so people kind of know what to expect. Then I'm going to take them down a rabbit hole, and I'm going to tell them stories, and I'm going to sing gospel music. Lord knows what will happen. We will stand together hand in hand in hand at the edge of a rabbit hole and just jump in together, and I'll drag you all through, and then out will come. So people are a little more used to it, but at first people were 
they were terribly condescending. It's like, oh, look at her, look at that little middle-aged woman from from um, Appalachia, and oh, I wonder what she has to say about whatever. And then and then they meet me, and it's a little bit different. But I've had the experience several times now because I don't. If people don't know me at a festival, I don't present as a pagan. I just look like you know, kind of a frumpy middle-aged woman who's wearing some comfortable pants and shoes and has a do-rag on her head. And it's generally pretty friendly to you. But if you but if you aren't friendly back, then I'm not going to waste my energy on you. So I will show up at these events and people overlook me. And like it's like they literally are looking over the top of my head like, well, where is this Byron Ballard person? She's supposed to be here. I'm here. I'm down here. This is me. Um, I I tell people I'm a high functioning introvert, so it takes a lot for me. I have to really access my theater stuff to basically stand up and go, it is I, Byron Ballard. I am here to talk to you about hill folks hoodoo and goddess worship and farming. So, yeah, it's a it's been interesting. But I but the other thing I found out about it that I will say quickly is that. I have great fondness for and and hunger to connect with the people that I consider the Appalachian diaspora, because as you said about your family, they were in Appalachia and then they left and they no doubt left either because they had a big feud with a big chunk of the family or they couldn't get work. And that's the reason people leave, leave the home place, mostly because they can't get work. And so I'll be in California and I'll meet people who go, oh, you know, I used to spend summers on my on my great grandmother's farm. I meet people all over the place who have such fond memories of Appalachia. And even sometimes the memories aren't theirs. They're carrying their ancestral memories of a place and a time that they never really knew, but that has come down to them through their lineage as something rare and simple and very sweet. You, you mentioned the Appalachian diaspora, mm-hmm. and I feel that. I think a lot of people feel sort of disconnected, sort of like they don't have roots. And and that's, you know, or roots that they can remember or make any connection to. And, I, and part of that, I think, contributes to why people treat us so shamefully you know, or, or, you know, I've been asked, I, I go up to New Hampshire every summer and I've been asked to my face, you know, people have been surprised that I have shoes and I'm like, uh, that's not funny guys mm. for real. Mm. It's not, it's not cute. Um, and things like that. And I, I think that's part of it because there's a, a lost, everybody came through those and most everybody came from those same areas, at, at least at first, you know, England and, and Scotland and Ireland and, you know, that's where a lot of people landed in Virginia and, and those places. And they, I don't know, there's, they've lost connection to that, that land and their original country of origin as well. So I think that kind of creates a wound that people don't necessarily recognize that they have. Oh, that is such an amazing segue. Thank you. I, the book I'm writing now is called The Ragged Wound. Oh, tell me about this. <laughs> The Ragged Wound, Healing the Soul of Appalachia. 
And it's not a it's not a magic book and it's not a folkways book. It is a book about looking at what is happening to this region as we are transitioning out of extractive industries and into whatever the next thing is. And it looks at what has happened to the people in the last hundred years of being bullied by the dominant culture and mocked with impunity. And and I interview at this point, I have eight interviews with Appalachian and they're all women, Appalachian women who are working on the ground with things like addiction, regenerative agriculture, herbalism and how we we as Appalachian people have to be the ones responsible for this transition or else it'll be another outside industry that comes in and tells us what we are and what the land is. So that's what my my next the book I'm writing. I've got another book coming out in August, which is about deepening your um, spiritual, deepening your spiritual connection to the earth through actually connecting with the earth. I know it's a shocking notion, but it's called Seasons of a Magical Life, and it takes the wheel of the year as, as an agricultural calendar and invites people to do whatever they can do given where they are. I mean, if you're in a full, if you live on a farm and you are fully rural, it's easy to do. If you live in a townhouse in the middle of Manhattan, it's a little different. But still, this, this book gives you some guidelines about how you can deepen that connection and be intentional about it. I'm excited about that as well. I have that on my list here to check out. And that's coming out in August this yes. year? Is yes, that yes ma'am. Awesome. That's one of the things that really, um, it was really enticing when I first, the first talk you did, and I can't remember the title of it. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> when I first met you at Mystic South, you were talking about um, really connecting to your land and finding your places of power in your town, in your city. And you had mentioned you know, getting out a map of your of your town and looking at it and scrying your map mm-hmm. and, and finding those places of power where you are. And I thought that was really fascinating because obviously there is earth under you. There's spirits and there's land wherever you are, no matter what kind of building you're living yeah. in. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Oh, I know which class that is. That's um, finding the other realms under suburbia. That's where I talk about that. That sounds yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine asked me if I would, he kept asking me questions about, well, but I live in this downtown big metropolis. How do I do all this stuff? And so I worked out this whole system, which is what you're saying, where it doesn't matter how much concrete is on top of the soil. There's soil under there. The earth is right under there. Um, The analogy I use is it's like me saying to you, because there you are freezing in the this arctic blast and if you had on your big winter coat and i had on my big winter coat and we hugged each other which we can't do because it's covid okay okay because yeah. yeah so we would hug each other then does it not count because we had all those layers of clothes on no of course it counts that's a good analogy especially right now and i just have to say but our listeners aren't going to hear this for like a week but i'm so cold <laughs> i am so cold oh, right now oh. i know i know all y'all folks that get snow all the time are laughing at us but we're not ready for this we're not prepared Mm-mm. no, no. And, and if they are laughing at us then they can just kiss our behinds agree if they can find them i've got layers yeah, many 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 layers I, I, we're just so ugly about stuff like that oh yes like earthquakes we had a 4.3 earthquake here 
I don't know, not too long ago, it's during COVID times. And people are like, oh, 4.3, well, that's just nothing. I just, you know, I survived or whatever. And it's like. Not when your houses are on a hill. And, and this is the oldest mountain range in the world, and it should not be moving. Those tectonic plates should have mm-hmm. finished up their work years ago. So what the hell is this? Anyway. We have a few earthquakes here and again in Mississippi. We've got a fault line that runs right through Jackson, right underneath the Coliseum. Is that new? You is know? that the new Madrid fault? Uh, I don't know. It's been here my whole life. So is there a new one? That no, I no, no. About? It's I called New Madrid. And when oh. there was a huge quake out on that fault in, I think, 1812, maybe 1813, and the Mississippi River ran backwards. Oh, why don't I know this story? I, I feel like I should know this. Girl, just look it up. Pick your phone up right now. I'm going to put it right up. into the Google thing. It's it's spelled. I am going to put it into the like Google. Madrid, but it's pronounced Madrid, New Madrid. Oh New, no! Okay. Oh, it's, oh, there we yeah, go. It's huge. It was a huge quake. Let's see. Oh, this is. It goes all the way up through Missouri. Uh huh. I mean, it's no. Okay. It's not the San San Andreas. But still, it's a hell of a zone. Yeah, and we're not we're not built for that. We're not built uh-huh. for that. Well, but ge- okay, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look that up more later. But I have it. But geologically speaking, if that was 1812, was 200 years ago, basically in geologic time, that's just nothing. It could happen at any time. Oh, yeah. At any time, like when Mercury's retrograde and there's the Rona. You know, any time. <laughs> Any old time. It's probably the best time right now. Why not? Why not? Why not? Oh my god! Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know, speaking of um, similarities and differences, I know for Mississippi, sort of the the folk magic and and the the folk ways down here have a different have a different flavor. <laughs> completely not not completely different. We got some similarities, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's got a different flavor. Um, and I think it, we've got such a blend of um, of cultures here. We're more Baptist, I think, but but we have a lot of you know river magic and and crossroads magic and and conjure and things like that that have a really different feel. We you know we get a lot of that from New Orleans too coming up, um, but that's got kind of a Catholic, kind of a Catholic feel to it more so than 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 the protestant more protestant we got baptists right, and they don't right. they don't talk about magic we just talk about people that know things that's right like my dad he knows things he knows when people are pregnant he knows when somebody's going to die he knows um when somebody's sick you know he knows when weather's fixing to happen mm-hmm. that people know things yep. And that's the way we talk about it. Yep. And if you talk any more than that, you say, well, it's just the spirit moving through me. I just, mm-hmm. I just, I yep. just feel the spirit. Which one? I feel it. I feel the spirit. I, I have to tell you, okay, I'm going to take you down a rabbit hole with me. So I okay, was invited go. to speak at the University at Hattiesburg on sacred water. God, this was seven or eight years ago, I guess. And it was it was a delightful. It's a beautiful university. I had a great time, but my hostess decided she wanted to take me on a bayou tour. And I was like, yes, because I love, <laughs> I love Cajun culture and I love the food, you know, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. they take me, take me on this. We're in one of those crazy boats and they're feeding the 
alligators, hot dogs and marshmallows and whatever. And every time they would stop at something that looked unusual, I would I would ask the tour guide. So do y'all use this for magic at all? I mean, or healing or anything like that. And Cypress knees and whatever else. And he would tell some mm-hmm. story and I go, well, but I mean, how do y'all use it? I mean, how's it? And finally, he just said, lady, you need to talk to my grandma. And I said, well, I'd love <laughs> to talk to your grandma. Give me your phone number and I'll call her. And he was like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I was that person, you know, on this tour. Mm -hmm. And they just wanted us to just chill out and go, oh, I love swamps. Oh, isn't this peculiar? Oh, oh, look, it's an alligator. And I'm like, what do you use those cypress knees for? What do you do? Is it magic? Is it healing? What is it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He definitely, definitely. Ancestor work all happens in the swamp. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I just loved it. I love the feel of the swamp. It reminded me, I, I, I work a lot with ditch water. It's one of the, it's one of the real juicy waters we, we work in, in my tradition. And it's because it's full of life. You know, it's got tiny, it's got frog eggs in it and all kinds of stuff in ditch water. And the swamp is the same way except writ large. So the swamp is full of all kinds of like dead slimy things and live slimy things. And, oh, yeah, I love it. I love the swamp. I'd love to apprentice to a swamp witch. A swamp witch? Yeah. Well, I, I know several, several really good. One in particular, um, she's she's always like hip deep in swamp water. Yes. So she'd be a good one. Uh, yes. Well, I, my family, our homestead is, uh, you know, is in Jones County, Mississippi. And we had uh, a hog farm and we had a swamp, like half of it was a swamp. We couldn't use it all, but that was always, um, you know, I, I don't know. We always had to avoid the swamp. So we didn't, as children, go get in it and get eaten. Uh, but yeah, but you know, but I remember, you know, you walking through the woods and, and everything starts to get swampy yeah. and it has a different feel. It's, it's yeah. definitely, it's alive and it's, it's a, aware yes too and it's 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 involved so i love i love working with so we've got a lot of uh, commonalities well and even though my my dream one of my dreams is to get together i don't know maybe a dozen two dozen folk magic practitioners and i mean real ones i don't mean the people who read two books and then they put out a shingle and say that's what they do but i mean like people that are really like your friend that's up to her thighs and swamp water so that we can compare notes about stuff oh yeah that would be so interesting i would love that i would love to hear everyone's experiences and stories too because I seem to see a lot of things that uh, people intuitively do mm-hmm. um, that are similar, yeah. you and know, yeah. and they're in totally different areas. And it's like, okay, so these are what the spiritual needs are. And these are these similar remedies that solve them. So there's a thread of truth there, you know, that runs deeper than our cultural experiences, in my opinion. No, I, I think you're right about that. And, and there's some really common tools and it's interesting to see how they are used either similarly or differently. Like in, in my tradition, we don't do brick dust because we are not really brick people. You know, we don't have a lot of brick buildings are what rich people have. And, and they are, you know, they're, they're fancy buildings and we, you know, we're just not really brick people, but 
I learned from other southern root workers about how the efficacy of Brit dust. So I took that, that whole idea and the way I do it now is I harvest red clay mud and I dry it and then I grind it in a mortar and pestle. And then it, and then I use that red in just the way you use brick dust. But I might not ever have thought of doing that if it hadn't been for talk from, if I hadn't been able to talk to this person who said, Oh no, we use that all the time for all kinds of things. And here's what we use it for this, this, this. So I, I just want to do more of that kind of comparing notes and not getting into like, you know, what happens on social media a lot. People get into these kind of pissing contests about things. Well, I know what I know, and that's better than what you know. And I just want to get kind of down and dirty at a, like at a community center with a bunch of big old tables covered in, covered in paper, in brown paper, where we can all trot out our oils and roots, whatever, and go, well, now I make this out of black walnut. And let me tell you what it does. It's just a road clearing oil. And it does. Well, I do this for road clear. I just think it would be great. It'd be a great thing to do. I agree. That sounds wonderful. I think there's so many paths to magic in so many different ways. It's like anything else. I, 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 and this comes from, you know, I'm a, I'm a temple of witchcraft, witch, and I, you probably know Christopher I and do. he I talks a it. lot. What a good boy. He's a sweetheart. He's had a new book. He's got a brand new book. <laughs> he, does. he does. He's got a brand new book. He and I both have out. a brand new book. So, yay. It, it's new book season. Yay. Two new books <laughs> in the world. <laughs> They're baby books. Um, what was that talking about? Uh, you See are a now? temple of witchcraft witch. Oh, I was talking about Christopher. Yeah. That's right. So, one of the things Christopher says, and this was great for me, especially, uh, you know, earlier in my training, um, he was he he says that if it works, you know the the measure of of whether it's true, uh, is whether it works is it, is the efficacy of it. So that's the way I approach things. Like if it works, then it works. It doesn't matter how you get there, and it might only work for you, mm -hmm. and it might only you know work in a different way for me. But that's the beautiful thing about magic is it's practical, especially I think especially you know folk magic it. it it solves a problem. It helps with something. It, it works. <laughs> so however it works is how it works. There's different ways to do the same job. Exactly. You know, I, I teach a class called Simple Practical Magic. And I started teaching it because there are way too many people who call themselves witches who don't actually practice magic. And why? Because they've never had any training. They think it's all about saying some garbled Latin and buying a whole bunch of expensive products and tools to do stuff. So I initially started teaching that class for people who had no training. But I found out that it also works for people like us that have been doing it for a long time. Because it takes you back to that place of beginner's mind. And you go, oh, my gosh, I used to do that all the time. I haven't done that in 20 years. Or, oh, that's a way I never thought of to do that. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah. And inevitably, I tell people, pick something you need and do spells around that. Do your magic around that. So if you need to go to downtown Asheville, North Carolina, you're going to need to park. So you devise a parking spell that works for you. And people go, but but I mean, that doesn't seem very important. I said, well, it will if you've got to return your library books or you're going to hit a fine 
or if you've got to go visit a sick friend who lives in the high rise downtown. So find something practical that you need because that's going to that's going to keep you tweaking it until you figure out exactly how to do it. Absolutely. I'm glad you said beginner's mind. I, I start a new uh, set of glasses tomorrow, actually. And that's one of the first things yes. that I talk about is beginner's mind. For me, that's where all of the wonder of learning magic comes from. You know, things happen in 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 a way that maybe you don't necessarily understand how they happen at first. Mm -hmm. Well, and maybe forever, but that's where the wonderment <laughs> comes from. And, and I think we miss that when we get really caught up in the ways and means and we forget the reason we're doing it and the feeling behind it and, you know, and letting things flow through. That's when I've had the most profound um, experiences and have come up with the best spells is when I just say, this is what I need. And I just focus on that and try to figure out how to make it work. And a lot of times it doesn't. And I've learned I've learned uh, most of my hardcore lessons from that, which my students will also learn from. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that's the beauty of of working with magic. You know, it's a, it's and it's an experimentation process and it's infinitely fascinating. And it's infinitely curious, and I love Me that about too. it. So I'm glad you said beginners. And, and it's experiential, and it's trial and error. Um, so yeah, you can read a hundred spell books about how to do something, but until you learn the basics of pulling energy into your body, setting an intention, and leveraging that energy in service to that intention, then you're never. You're, it's not about saying words. It really isn't. It's about the whole, your whole connection, your what I call acknowledged kinship to everything around you. I'm writing that down. Hold on a minute. That's the most beautiful word I've ever heard. Keep going. <laughs> that's, I talk about that a lot in the book that's coming out in August about really – Coming into because the word relationship has come to be a nothing burger. Who even knows what that means anymore? So I wanted to find something that that for me talked about the intentionality of it, but also the depth of it. And so the phrase I came up with was acknowledged kinship. It's saying to the oak tree that if it was daylight here, I could see outside the window and here I'm sitting in my kitchen it's it's not only saying, I see that you are a living being as I am a living being. It's also saying to that oak tree, you are my kindred. You are family to me. And it, I mean, I come from the land where family means everything. And they are the people that you fight the hardest with. And they're the people you that you both loathe and love. And that's just how that is. And it may be true everywhere. I don't know. But it's especially true for us. So you can come into that kind of acknowledged kinship with the land underneath your feet and all the beings, not only not only your fellow human beings. And frankly, it's harder to love some humans than it is to love all the trees in the world. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're absolutely correct on that. I, I struggle with humans, but I'm working on that. I know. I'm working on compassion for humans. <laughs> It's a struggle. <laughs> it, it can be. It can be a bit of a struggle. Compassion, though, it, it's good for us. Compassion's good for us on every possible level. I agree, grudgingly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a. I'm not oh. a big person on forgiveness. 
I mean, I got I got double Scorpio right up there at the top of my chart. So I'm just like, oh you know, goodness. some things are unforgivable. And I'm not required by my religion to forgive you. So I'm just not gonna. It's just not going to happen for you. And that's okay. I mean, I, it's not like I carry it around like a big old suitcase full of poop. I just... <laughs> I just don't. It's like you did that thing. I'm not going to forgive you for that thing. And our relationship is no longer acknowledged. Our kinship is no longer acknowledged. How's that? There you go. No, I agree <laughs> with you. And I, I, I get a lot of folks. I get a lot of students that are coming from a Protestant Christian sure. background, namely Baptist here. And um, well, there's a lot of mind fucking that they do over there. And they come in with this notion of. They got to forgive every wrong that's ever, you know, been done to them. And that's one of the conversations that I, I agree with you on that. You don't have to mm-hmm. forgive them. If it's uh, if it's upsetting you, yes. if you need to unpack that case and get the poop out and wash it out real mm-hmm. good. Okay. But that has nothing to do with the other person. Mm-hmm. You know? no, if it's bird. And it's their burdensome. Yes. Yes. And if it's burdensome to you, figure out a way to resolve it. And that's true of everything. If you're carrying right. it around with you like a backpack and, and that's all you can feel, let it go. Figure out how you can let it go. And there's so many magical techniques for that. And if you can't find one that works for you, you can figure one out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. That's good. Now I'm going to have that visual anytime. You know, suitcase full of poop. People are talking about forgiveness. The suitcase full. Yep. yep. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I'm sure we'll. <laughs> Sometimes when I when I'm teaching class and it's gonna, we're going to touch on that, I will explain to them. All right, whatever crap you're bringing in with you to this class, I want you to put in a suitcase by the door and just leave it there. And if you want to leave it there when you leave, please do. But if you know if you got to pick up all your guilt and shame and take it out with you, then okay, I'm not, I'm not going to judge you on that. If that's the way you want to live, it's fine with me. It doesn't seem like a very good way to live, but uh, who am I to judge? I'm a double Scorpio. Right? Of course I'm judging you. Every minute of, of every day. <laughs> I only have I only have a, a sliver of Scorpio in my chart, but it's the only water that I have. Oh. And it is I, I have uh Saturn in Scorpio. So joy. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, that makes my Saturn return was a good time. I bet. <laughs> It, it wasn't. It was awful. Uh, but the rest, I have a stellium in Sagittarius. So I do act like a Labrador, and I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Anyway. Oh, um, yeah. I no, act like a I, I'm a Pisces is my son. And then I've got moon and ascendant are both Scorpio. So I present as this kind of St. Bernard puppy person. <gasps> oh, golly. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Ah. But, man, you hurt my feelings, and I am like a velociraptor. Oh, my goodness. It's really yeah. horrifying. I will endeavor not to do that. Well, it's harder <laughs> now that I'm older. But man, my 17-year-old self, oh, it was hard. It was hard. I bet. I bet it was. I I don't I don't often know what to do with with water signs. I accidentally step on their feelings sometimes and I don't mean to. And I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, all the Sagittarius are sorry. We may not admit it, but it's true. <laughs> we didn't mean hurt. Some things. of my closest friends are Sagges. And then uh, other people that I know who are Sagges are not my closest friends. <laughs> I've I've gotten a lot of people say, oh, you're the only Sagittarius I can stand. And I'm like, no, I get that. Well, That's where, where's your moon? <laughs> my moon is in Virgo. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Yeah. 
everything else is in Sagittarius. I've got five planets in Sagittarius. Wow. I know. And they're in my 10th house, which, but, you know, I teach, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There no, you go. Perfect. That works. Yeah, yeah, that works. It works. So I want to know, tell us a little bit. We've touched on it. We've kind of danced around. I've been so excited about uh, having you on the show that uh, I've, I'm a, I've been all over the place. So I'm going to go back to my Okay, list. okay. Um, okay, so we, this is my Virgo moon. We talk. have been a little crazy so far. <laughs> We've been a little crazy. It's okay. It's cold. We're not thinking right. Um, so we've, we've mentioned Appalachian folk mm -hmm. magic, but we haven't actually talked about it. So tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Oh, well, um, I'll, I'll explain Hill Folk's hoodoo first, if I may, because I get, it, I get in trouble all the time for using the word hoodoo. I use the word hoodoo because my cousin that I'm still real close to, my cousin and I, when we were growing up, we would refer to it as, because it's all over our family, this precognitive dreaming and hands-on healing, all this stuff. It's all over. We are eat up with it in my family. And she and I would call it that hoodoo that we do so well. And we do this little dance where we shook our bottoms and raised our hands in the air. It was just, it was, I still think, hilarious. Um, <laughs> so that's why I use the word hoodoo, which does get me in trouble with some other practitioners. But there are some people who suggest that the word hoodoo is actually of Gaelic origin. And that it's two words that come out of, I think, Irish Gaelic rather than Scots Gaelic. And it's Uadhuv, U-A-T-H, D-U-B-H, which means dark spirit. So hoodoo may, in fact, be an Irish word. So I will, I'm going to claim that one for a little while. But, I, but the reason I use hoodoo is because my cousin and I used to do that funny thing. And the reason I say hill folks is what we talked about a little bit earlier is that hillbilly. Oh, it's even hard for me sometimes to say that word. The word hillbilly is one of those culturally exclusive words. So if I meet up with people that I went to high school with, we can elbow each other and go, well, that is the, that's a hillbilly pair of shoes if I ever saw them. Ooh. But people outside the culture should not use that word to people in the culture. That's just how I feel about it, because I know how people outside the culture feel about that word and the people that that word represents. So when I hear the word hillbilly on the lips of somebody who is not an Appalachian person, what it says to me is you are thinking in your head that I am ignorant, I'm dirty, possibly inbred. And I'm scary but stupid. And I know that that's what the dominant culture often thinks about us, which is why people like me have to do code switching all the time, which is why in the course of the time we've been talking, I've, I've spoken with almost no accent at all. And then I've spoken like my natural accent. And it's because, like you, I started out my professional life in theater. And you sure can't talk the way I talked then and do Shakespeare and the Greek tragedies and the stuff that I, it was what I did. So I've done a lot of code switching in my life so that, so that people didn't have to try to get past what that meant, that word meant, because they heard my accent. They could just take me at face value. 
Now, what's happened in the past 20 years since I've really been teaching more about this particular folk magic is that I'm slowly reclaiming my native accent. But I find I still don't use it as much when I'm teaching. So if you listen to the podcast Weird Mountain Gals, you're going to hear it full on flat out. But when I'm teaching, there are still people who, if I use my natural, normal, natural accent, there are words they don't understand and it stops them, stops them from hearing because they're because they're either judging some of them or because it was such a peculiar word. They don't know what it means. And in Appalachian culture, we we need to dig into the middle of what that means, because on the one side is this fantasy of these these noble, heroic, independent mountaineers who still speak with a kind of perfect uh, Elizabethan English. And they play music com- that comes right out of the child collection. And, oh, they're wonderful. And then on the other end of that spectrum is paddle faster, I hear banjos. <laughs> but Appalachian people are all of that stuff in between. And we are not all white people. We are not all poor people. We are not all coal miners. We are not all lumber people. We are, the the phrase that I learned years ago that I love so much is Afrolachian. Have you heard that? I have not. For African Appalachians, Afrolachians. And we are hearing more and more about Afro-Latin people and queer Appalachians, and we're hearing more about the indigenous people who were here before all of us, and it's just a wonderful soup. It's a wonderful stew of cultures, and we don't always blend well, but I think, but I think we could. I think we could learn to appreciate each other, since we are we're going to wait forever for the outside culture to appreciate us. That's a good point. And you've, you've, you've touched on a lot of things that I feel. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the code switching. I absolutely, I absolutely turn off my accent when I'm speaking to some people, new people, mm-hmm. or on this podcast, I have my accent off most of the time because uh, people don't understand what I'm saying. And when I go down to my parents' house or I get mad or cold, which is where I am right now, <laughs> it comes out, it comes out fully. But you can't understand Jones County, Mississippi people because, well, it's, it's all, it's a, it's difficult to understand if you don't have that accent. I get that. But yeah, I definitely, people make assumptions about your intelligence, um, your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They make all sorts of assumptions. They immediately assume that you're ignorant. Um, uh, there's one other thing that you make. Our word is redneck. We get that a lot, redneck. And uh, I oh, can we do too. We do we too. Come from a long line of rednecks. No, I I self I self identify as a redneck. And this a woman did a a piece on me for our local weekly kind of arts paper. And and I said, I'm you know I I was born in West by God Buncombe County, and I'm I'm a redneck from a long line of rednecks. And she was horrified. And she said, what? But I mean, being a redneck means that you're racist and homophobic. And I said, well, sometimes it means you're xenophobic. But what it really means, what redneck really means is that we think violence is a perfectly good way to end an argument. 
And she went, what, what? And I said, yeah, I mean, that's basically what it means. And we live, we like to live hard and loud and yeah, we'll punch you if you, if you deserve it. Some folks need punching. Uh, some I can think folks of a few. need it. What was that thing? There was a meme on Facebook, gosh, a couple of years ago of that. Nothing wrong with you that patting you on the head with a chair wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I, I have a list of folks that. Yep. Might yes, need ma'am. a little redneck love. Might need some love. Yeah. Some little encouragement, attitude mm-hmm. adjustment, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like yeah. But yeah, yeah, the code switching is a real, it's a real thing. I, I wonder how many other folks do. I wonder if we're all just trying to meet somewhere in the middle that doesn't exist and just kind of denying ourselves the interesting flavor that it could be if we quit that shit. <laughs> well, this 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 country was founded on the notion, and I think it, it was a valuable notion at the time, that it was going to be a melting pot and everybody was going to be this kind of neutral vanilla and we were all whatever whatever stuff we brought from the old country we're going to leave that at the gate like my my husband's family his parents were the first generation born in this country and they're italian americans so his grandparents didn't speak much english or any english they spoke only italian his parents spoke italian when they didn't want the kids to know what they were talking about but they never taught the kids italian because they wanted them to be Americans mm-hmm. and not to be Italian Americans, but to be Americans. And I think that happens with all of us that come into this country as a, in an immigration process is that the people who had the hard time in the old country, they don't want to, they don't want to drag that back here. They want it all to be fresh and new that this is a land of possibility and opportunity. So they lose a lot of that. They lose a lot of the, the fabric and the texture that makes who they are real and give it roots like we had talked about earlier. I think we all are diminished from that because we're meeting in a, in a place that isn't anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And not, not even, you know, I was thinking, you know, it becomes Anglicanized because you don't want to speak Italian in front of your children, but you're speaking English, which has its own roots somewhere else, but we're not doing that really either, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And there is a, a I, I used to, I don't, I'm not right now cause COVID. I used to do a lot of interfaith work and there's a group called the United Religions Initiative and their model for how people come together across religious and spiritual boundaries is you stand firmly in your tradition and from that you speak. So you wear traditional garments, you talk about your traditional foods, you talk about your holidays and how you pray and who your gods are, all of that. And the bottom line is you don't proselytize. I'm not gonna to try to convince you to be like me, but I get to show you in all of the crazy flavors and colors exactly what my spiritual tradition is. And I can't help but think that if we could do that culturally, and we could just stand in. This is what my this is what my crazy Scots Irish people are like, and we are we are easy to rile, and we are quick to love, and we are loyal, and all those things that are good about us, but also not denying the stuff that isn't so good. 
and then come together and be able to be honest with each other and to share out of that. I think that would be so, that sounds like a pipe dream, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like a utopia, but I think it's completely possible. There's no reason that we can't do that. You know, there's no reason we can't, except that we just like to squabble and be right. Oh, gosh, do we? And declare war even when we don't have any uh, weaponry. Anyway, so Appalachian Fuck Magic is all about using available materials. See, I got right back to it. You got right back there. Look I at pull, you. I pulled our little southern asses right out of the rabbit hole, and here I'm we are. I'm proud, because we could stay there until it's time for the long goodbye, which and could take a month. Yeah, that's right, well, which will take us 20 minutes. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, so Appalachian Folk Magic is about using available materials that you get out of your yard, or you get out of the field or the woods or the kitchen or wherever to – to affect change, and much of that change has to do with healing. Um, but, I mean, it, it encompasses midwifery. It encompasses sitting with the dying and helping them transition through death. It encompasses those traits that that my family exhibits, the, the idea that you can put your hands on somebody and heal them of an ailment. I had a great aunt, my grandmother's sister, who could talk away a wart. And the way she did that, you would, you would go to her and you would say, I've got, I've got a wart. And she would take, say, say it was on your hand. She would take your hand in hers and she would rub the wart with her thumb. But the whole time she'd be saying, I don't know why people come to me for this because I don't have any real ability around it. So how are things at home? How's your mama doing? And how's the new baby? Is it teething yet? And so she would rub for a certain amount of time. And then she'd say, well, honey, it was so good to see you. Do you take a piece of this cake home and for your mama, because I know she loves it. It's her favorite. By now, three days later, the wart would fall off. Now, whether she had something in the chemical makeup of her, the oil on her skin that touched the virus of that wart, we don't know because she's long dead. But that was the tradition that it wasn't, it wasn't something that she had studied or learned. It was just an ability that she had. So there, there are people with those things too. My great grand, my grandmother uh, had what we would call now precognitive dreams. So she would dream something and she, and the dream was the same, but she had a knowing about what the dream meant. And she never told us what the dream was, but it was a repetitive dream. And when she had it, she she knew who to call to tell them to be careful or to prepare themselves for a death or whatever. And and she was, as far as I know, never wrong about any of that. So that's a series of abilities that have not been, as far as I know, studied in any real way. But the problem with it is it seems to, it seems to come down a family line. So it might be something your grandma had or your grandpa because it's not, even though they want to call this Appalachian granny magic, it is not about grannies. And it's certainly the practitioners would not have called it magic. But it, it seems to come down those abilities, down family lines. And because of that and because of what you had 
mentioned earlier about the Baptists, there's a kind of overlay over it that it is scary and possibly of the devil. And so some people are encouraged, especially young people, are encouraged to suppress those abilities. I had a tarot client come in year before last, I guess, and she, I, I said what I always say to my clients is, ah, how good to see you. Thank you for coming in. Now, what, what are you looking for today? And she sat down and she said, I'm looking to find out if I'm crazy or not. And I kind of laughed it off and I said, well, that's above my pay grade. I, I don't know if I'm telling you you're crazy, whether or not you're crazy, but tell me what's going on. And she said, I hear the voices of the dead. I dream things that can co- that come true. And she's just started the whole litany of all of those abilities. I know things I shouldn't know. I know things that happen far away, all that stuff. And I looked at her and she's got that beautiful milk white skin and that kind of rosy complexion and the reddish auburn hair. And I said, where are your people from? And she said, McDowell County. And I said, no, no, before McDowell County, where are your people from? And she said, we're Scotch Irish. And I said, all right, I don't know if you're crazy or not, but I'm going to tell you about your people. And I'm going to tell you about the abilities that your people brought with with them to this land and have retained them down these long generations. And then I said, do you sing? And she said, I do. And I said, do you play a musical instrument? And she said, no, I don't read music. And then she went on to tell me all the musical instruments she played by ear. And then I told her, I sang her the song of our people. And I said, you're not crazy. but You have abilities that your family doesn't, they're not comfortable with you having. And they probably would much rather you just be a little old lump, of pretty little lump of clay, but you're not that. You have a gift. That's so important. And people don't hear that. You're absolutely right. I think, I think it's probably worse around here because it was very, I don't know. I say worse. I have no, I don't know. We didn't talk about it. Baptist folks don't, they don't even dance. They don't do anything. They definitely don't talk about supernatural powers that may or may not have come from Jesus. (laughs) You know, so they didn't talk about it. This is stuff you found out when you were an adult. Mm -hmm. After you, you, you know, you've been told that your imagination's running wild and stuff like that. And I've got, you know, people often will kind of block themselves, kind Mm -hmm. of build a wall because of shame. and, And because it's scary when you're a kid and if you don't know what's going on. You know, and they build these walls that as they mature and they're trying to awaken their magical abilities, they have a lot of work to push through that wall, you know. And I hate th- I hate that it's shamed in that way because it d- it's damaging, you know. And there's so many folks that never, you know, understand what's happening to them and they feel crazy. They yeah. do. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking to me because because our our cultures and our communities can use those gifts. Those are valuable gifts to have. Yeah. But yeah, far too many. Okay, I'm gonna tell you a Baptist joke. Okay, tell me a Baptist joke. Why do Baptists not have sex standing up? Oh my gosh, why? Because somebody might think they were dancing. 
No, but that you, you yeah, it probably looks the same, honestly. I've seen Baptist dance. It's not. It's not. It's not good. They should not. Oof. Well, I will tell you the word witch, and I've been doing a lot of translating stuff, and I, I tell my students that if you want to know was there was there a witch in your family, don't ever use that word with your elders. Say to them, what is that weird superstitious stuff grandma used to do? Remember some of that mm-hmm. stuff? And then it all just comes pouring out. But if you say the word witch, you're likely going to get everything shut down. If you use the mm-hmm. word magic, they're not they're going to absolutely deny that, too. But the, well, they don't look at it as magic. No. You know, it's no, just a nat- it's like it's like the trees, you know, drop their leaves in the fall. It's a thing that is, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, if they think of it as magic, then that's not okay. You know, (laughs) that's not okay. So I have a couple of questions for you that I want to make sure that I ask you before, before we have to run off. Um, So we haven't talked much really about your new book, which I absolutely loved it, but you know, you're probably doing that all over the podcast circuit right now. But what I want to know, is there, is there something that you love to talk about that you're never asked about in an interview? And what would that be? Oh gosh, that is such surprise. a surprise. <laughs> it is. That's a really good surprising question. Um, I don't know because I mean, obviously now you you have talked to me, so you know if there's something I want to talk about, I'll just start talking Terrible. about it. It's like, yep. oh, well, let's talk about gardening now. So, did you know I already have my onions in, and they're really tall. They're going to be so delicious. But 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 but. So I don't know. If that's a good question. I'm gonna have to think about it. You have okay, you think me, about it. You have me back on, and we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I would love to have you back on the show. That's also on my list. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what um, have you got a future project coming up? And this could be a, a pipe dream project. It's, you don't even have to really have an outline in your brain about it. But is there a project in your sometime in your life that you want to do that um, that just really excites you? I do. When I come off the road, which I wasn't supposed to be off the road in 2020, none of us were. But when, of I us finally, were yeah. <laughs> when I finally come off the road, I am in the process of turning this little piece of land that I inherited from my grandmother into a forest farm. And I'm going to grow the plants that I now wildcraft. Um, and I'm going to bring in apprentices and students and they'll be able to stay with me like over the weekend or for 10 days or whatever. And I'll feed them and we'll work in the garden and take care of the chickens and all that. So that's that's a, a big one. That's my my farm dream. And then the other one I will tell you because you're um, because we are a theater folk. And that is I am doing an adaptation, a musical adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, that's my favorite one. Can I be Beatrice? Oh, no, that's Much Ado oh. About Nothing. Oh, that's Much Ado About Nothing. You're right, Midsummer Night's Dream. I, I love it. I, I, pl- I played Beatrice. Helena. I played You Beatrice. did? I did. That's my favorite. It was one of my favorite roles, that and, uh, and uh, the lady in the Scottish play. I love yeah, those that we won't talk about. No, we won't. Because God We've knows. We've had enough technical difficulties. Mercury retrograde. We are not going to mess with any of that. So I'm working with um, my my traveling buddy, Brian Hankey, who's a musician. Mm-hmm. And he, he's doing the music. And it's oh, called awesome. it's called Forevermore, A Fairy's Tale. And it 
and it takes place in a summer theater where they're doing a Midsummer Night's Dream, but Puck and Titania and Oberon actually show up yes. while they're doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait. Now, you were a playwright early on. Is that correct? Yes. In fact, before I was writing books, I wrote lots and lots of plays. I wrote plays um, about uh, local folklore. Mm-hmm. And um, I adapted some big classical works of literature for the stage. I did The Odyssey. I did Moby Dick. And oh, the, the the audience was the whale. That was fun. And the last thing I did before our company went on what has turned out to be permanent hiatus uh, was Beowulf. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Do you ever produce, do you have them produced out, out of your area or do you just keep them in that area? Yeah, mostly in. I'm asking in this, for a reason. <laughs> mostly in this area, but if you want to see a script, I'll hand one over to you. Oh, you know, I've got, I used to have a theater company and we did, we were always looking for, because I worked at a professional theater and then I had this side, side thing because all the shows around here, I'd mentioned Steel Magnolias. It's a whole lot of that every year. Yeah. yeah, And, uh, and I wanted to see some things that were different. And, um, and so we were looking at producing plays that were unusual and that you didn't see around here. And maybe were a little, you know, a little risque sometimes Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but I ran out of time to do that when my children were born. But my sister-in-law yeah. has a, a theater company, and they do the same. They do kind of the same s- stuff, different stuff. So I would love to to see those produced where I can watch them. Well, yeah, let's get connected up about that. Now, those plays were just typed up; they weren't even on a computer. So I would have to do like a Xerox copy. But yeah, that'd be fun. That I would did- be fun. The two plays that finally got me banned were um, because everybody was cool with Beowulf and everybody's cool with folk plays. But I did a I did a play called Mother Songs, the history of witchcraft from the Paleolithic to the present. I had the biggest audiences ever, but the granters weren't so thrilled about that. And then I did a companion piece to it a year later called The the Burning Times, a study of the continuing Inquisition. And it basically talked talked about all of that. It was it was so intense that my daughter was in elementary school at the time and I told her teacher, she comes to rehearsals with me at night and we're doing a play about Inquisitional Europe. So if she seems to know a lot about the strapado and the rack, it's because of the play. So don't worry. It's not anything weird at home. Yeah. <laughs> no reason to send out CPS. This no, is, no. We're it's an educational that. situation. We're, we're yeah. It's all good. It's a play. It's just a play. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds awesome. I, You know, I always admire people who can make the words go. As you can see, I struggle. Um, I, I'm a visual artist, and I was a scenic mm-hmm. painter and worked on the production and costuming and... Oh, I yeah. acted a bit when they'd let me, you know, when they let me on the stage, I'd do it. I worked my, I worked my way through undergraduate school as the costume designer for the theater department. Oh, that's awesome. That's that was my first entrance because my mama taught me to sew when I was little. Yeah. And um, and I was homeschooled through high school. So that was my entry <gasps> point. Is that really? They didn't have to pay me very much and I was available. Yes, <laughs> that's how yeah. I got in. I hear you. Uh, I absolutely uh, hear you. So, and then yeah. was scene painting. I was I worked at the Brevard Music Center as a scenic artist for the opera company. 
Oh, wow. And, oh, and those I, are some grand sets. Uh -huh. too. And the technique that I learned, the man who taught it to me learned from a master painter at La Scala in Milan. Wow. Well, lots of so you, you. you and I have done a lot of similar stuff. We have, we have, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm kind of a strange person, I guess. Yeah, uh, I am. Okay, good. Well, good. I endeavor for strangeness, but I was just curious. I'm curious about everything. And you know, that uh, Sagittarius stellium, I want to know everything and I want to know about everything and I want to touch everything. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of, wherever an opportunity for me to learn a new skill comes along, I just, I just jump all the way in it. Um, but I, I like that. I think it makes for, I think theater people make for interesting people, particularly production side people oh, because yeah. they have to know so many different skill sets, mm -hmm. you know? So you, you learn a lot. You can do a lot when you do theater. Okay. So I have one more question. Okay. What is it? So you've mentioned a couple of things as we went, but what um, what projects? What have you got coming up in the near future where people can see you or or you know check out check out your work? You just got a book that just came out. It's wonderful. I finished it in a week, which is impressive for me because my kids, you know. Oh, um, yeah, but it's great. It's um, wonderful. There are some festivals coming up, uh, virtual as well mm -hmm. as. I just got word today about an actual in-person but tiny festival. So I'm going to be at Other Worlds, and that's virtual. And that information is uh, on my Facebook page, so people can find it there, Other Worlds. And then I'm teaching the first weekend in March. I'm teaching as part of that big, speaking of stellium, uh, called WitchCon. So I'll be teaching a candy magic class, my candy magic class, which is so much fun. Oh, that. that's awesome. I've <clears> heard you talk yeah. about the Swedish, the Swedish fish and yes. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a whole, I have a whole bunch of protocols about how to use magic as, uh, how to use candy as an entryway into magic. It's fun. I'm excited about that. Is that what online as well? Or is that, that's it is. it is online and you can find that information on Facebook. I am really bad at, keeping my website up to date. I really kind of need a, a webmaster who would just do that. But those people really like to be paid. Thank and, you. And, and my web friend, um, she'll go in and fix a problem when I've screwed something up. But she's not, it's not her job to do that. She is, she is a real job. She's a real person. Anyway, so you can find it and people can find me on Facebook as Byron Ballard or as Village Witch A-Wandering. I've maxed out my friends as Byron Ballard, so you can only follow me. But you can follow me at Village Witch, and I, you know, I do all the stuff there, too. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Wonderful. And they can, they can reach me at my website, which is myvillagewitch.com, info at myvillagewitch.com. Wonderful. And I'm going to put all of this in the show. Well, I'm not. The sound guy is going to do that because he is my guy that uh, guy. does all that, that does all the computery stuff for me. You know, the social media stuff, which I I'm terrible at it. I, I just am awful at it. And and because of this podcast, I got an Instagram. Aren't you proud? Of course you Insta. are. Uh, you <laughs> and know I, don't, I, am. I don't know what I'm doing with it. Okay. I don't either. So you and I should talk about that sometime. Oh, I'm yes. still trying to figure it out. I, I'll post pictures of biscuits. It's like I'm in biscuits today. 
And people are oh, like, yeah. nah, whatever. I've, there's so little witchcraft. I put drawings and like, you know, pictures of weaving and stuff like that. Lots of yarn pictures, I think, is mostly what's what's in there right now. But that's what I'm excited about right now. I got a brand new weaving loom and I, I love it. I'm in love with it. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, if you have just a minute, this is something I wanted to talk to you about. See, this is the yeah. Labrador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in your book, one of the things you were talking about was work songs and things like that. And I am a weaver and I just recently got a, um, a floor loom. So this is my first floor loom. And I've been looking for weaving songs and spinning songs. And I don't know if I just don't know how to make the search engine work the way I need it to, but I'm struggling to find resources. So Girl, when you mentioned to, it, okay, go to go, YouTube, talk. go to YouTube mm -hmm. and put in, walking w-a-u-l-k-i-n-g and there's like a dozen old videos of women walking wool and it's to, to prep the wool so mm -hmm. that it can then be spun and that is beautiful beautiful stuff i am still researching those women's work songs that are also spells like the yes. butter song you know, yes. the come butter come song, because there's so many of them. There are some for mill workers who are working those giant looms. So yeah, go to YouTube because you'll find them there. Okay, yeah, I yeah. have found I found a couple, but it seems like they were written in the 70s, and they they have kind of um, a folky sound. But yeah, they're not, it's not that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that keeps me in rhythm with the loom, right. you know, and and. Oh my goodness. So yes, yeah, spinning and weaving is a huge part of my of my practice. I do a lot of thread magic and, mm -hmm. and things like that and I, I work with the fates. Um so yes, I want all those songs. I need them. And I might have yes. to write some myself and I don't know how to make words words, so we'll see what happens well, with that. Make them make them be sounds then. Because some of that walking stuff you can't mm -hmm. understand I mean, it's in Scott's Gaelic for one thing, but you can't necessarily understand the words, but you hear the woof. Ooh, 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 as the women pass these uh, these big hanks of yarn of wool back and forth, mm -hmm. and the and it's more the the sound that keeps them the pace and keeps the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, you could totally do that. In fact, awesome. you could you could create a song, a spinning song, or a weaving song that weaves in the fates. Do you do you do the fates as norns, or do you uh, use different fates? I use normally the Greek ones, but okay. I also have worked with the any any spinners and weavers. I am I'm Every deeply fascinated by. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh yes, that's my spinning wheel's name. My Aww. my big one. See, I, I do names. drop spinning. <gasps> yes, I love yes. doing that, and it's, it's wonderful. I, I haven't actually done much of that this winter. I need to get out my spindle and and do some of that. Yeah, I love carding and mm -hmm. spinning. And then I'm a very simple knitter. I knit just washcloths and scarves and no socks. I love socks. You have to try socks. I know they're intimidating, but they are. I was intimidated for a hundred years and then I did it and they're addictive. This is I knit, you know, I'm showing things now that people can't see. Beautiful. I love to knit. No, did you spin, spin? Did you spin those fibers? I did. That was my, ah. and I just tossed it over there on, onto the bed. So. I can't reach it anymore. But yeah, that's some of my <laughs> hand spun. Beautiful. Um, I wish yes. you all could see it. It's really beautiful. Now I feel really special and glowy. You are. 
And now I'm going to be talking. sending you uh, any songs that people send me. I'll be like, please do. I know who wants this. Here. Yes. And then you do. and I can practice singing them together. <gasps> okay. So we're going to be best friends now. I'm going to have to break it to Aoife, but maybe she'll listen to the show. Um, okay. That would okay. be wonderful. I would love to hang out and, and just any anything you have that comes your way, you know I'll be this excited about it. If and you send it and unless it hurts your feelings to do it, singing gospel music always has mm-hmm. a wonderful rhythm. I, oh, yeah. I, I love that old song. Um, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And it's got this wonderful kind of rhythm for doing all kinds of things. It does. It has that sort of lilting mm-hmm. sound to it. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. I agree with you. I don't I don't have a... a a lot of problems with Christians in the same because I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't get the mind fuckery. <laughs> Me either. Um, we're like so we're go. like cousins or something. I we sh- we probably we might actually be cousins. Well, I don't know. I'll have to possible. check your background. I've had we were Duns and Duncans on one side, well, which is uh, where all this comes from. We'll see <laughs> if uh, I'll see if you show up in my twenty three and Me. There you stuff, go. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Well, you just let me know if we're related. Anyway. All right. Well, I have had such a good time. Please come back on the show. I will. You just let me know when you want me. I will. I will do that. And this is Byron Ballard, uh, you know, listeners. And please, please check out her books. Read her books. You know, our, our show is geared towards you know, people in the South who, who feel isolated in their magic because, because Mm -hmm. there's a stigma around it. So, I just really want to connect them with your work because it just, it sings, it sings to your soul. Oh. People go, go listen, go Thank read. Thank you. Thank you. And if they're, if they are listeners rather than readers, this new book is available as an audio book. Yes. Oh, so I did get the audio book because oh. it, it released just a few days ago, really on the, on the eighth, I believe. And uh-huh. so I couldn't get the physical book here in time. Um, how does the audio book sound? How does she it, sound? It's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm terribly picky, you know. But I would I would love to have someone from the area, from the region, yes. do the audio. And yeah. and that's something that's often completely out of your control. And I understand the publishing side of it and all of that. I would love to hear you narrate um, I, an audio book. I offered to do it. I said, oh, no, don't hire somebody. Let me do it. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, come on. I do voiceover work all the time. Let me do it. But they wouldn't. <laughs> but they I am going to be reading on Facebook Live probably in the next week or so. I'm going to be reading big chunks of it, like chapters at a time. So, Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. She, did a, she did a good job. She, the narrator right. did a good job. She, right. she, you can't help it if you're not from the region. You're just not from the region. No. Um, but I will, on your behalf write to your publishing company and say, Hey, the only, the narrator was good. Do not, you know, not to disparage the narrator. I would love to hear Byron narrate her next book. <gasps> oh, would you do I that? Do Thank that. you. Yes, absolutely. I, I hope that. all our listeners will as well. Thanks. Yes. Use that theater background that you have. Uh-huh. <laughs> mine's, mine's completely uh, defunct right now. Sadly. <laughs> well, I will tell people what I'm teaching like midway through. I'll go, well, when I lived in Dallas, when I was getting my graduate degree in theater, I mean, y'all don't have any idea I was in theater, do you? And people go, yeah, no, we couldn't tell. We couldn't tell at all, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't look comfortable talking to, uh, talking in front uh-uh. of people. No, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm. 
Well, I am going to. We've been almost an hour and a half. This is this is silly. It's getting silly. It's eight no, eighteen already. Here, it's good. All right. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. And thanks to your listeners for listening to us be silly Southern women. The silly right? Southern Ramble women. On. Yeah, and talk, <laughs> talking right and talking wrong. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Please come back and gosh, best of luck on your new books and the success, uh, outrageous success with this current book, which is completely, completely well-deserved. I, 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 I love it. Thank you. It's so crazy. It's sold out on its release day. You're famous now. I'm a best-selling author. That's Arthur. right. A best-selling Arthur. author. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Thank Byron, you. Thank you. you. We'll talk time. again soon. And for all of you listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to the show. And we will be back um, soon, middle of March. We'll be back. And uh, blessed be, everybody. Bye, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. It helps us get our podcast in front of more listeners just like you. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can leave us a voicemail by clicking the link in the description of this episode. And you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Crossroads and Cauldrons Podcast.